Adam Fox finishes in second place to Eric Carlson in the Norris Trophy voting. Was the Ranger defenseman snubbed? We debate and much more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 859 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we are, of course... Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Adam Fox was gunning for his second straight Norris Trophy, or second in three seasons, excuse me. He does not get it. Uh, Instead, it goes to Eric Carlson, who wins his third Norris Trophy. The other two for Carlson were in 2011-2012 and also in 2014-2015. So it's been a while for Carlson. And I certainly have a lot to say regarding the outcome of this vote and Carlson winning the award and Adam Fox not getting it. But for starters, might as well go ahead and look at the uh, official voting results here. So the way this works for most of the NHL awards is you have people that vote on them, you know, usually sports writers and uh, members of the NHL media in one way or another. And they have five votes. They do a first place vote, a second place, a third place, a fourth and a fifth. And obviously, you know, a first place vote is worth more points than a second place vote. Second is worth more than a third place vote. Uh, I think you guys get the idea. Obviously, you know, the higher you rank somebody, the more points that they get. And to just kind of look at the results here, uh, Carlson ends up with 1,585 points. Adam Fox got 1,125 points. And then quite a drop off to number three, Kale McCarr came in third place. He got just 553 points. So it really did come down to pretty much either Carlson or Fox uh, to break down the voting results a little bit further before we, you know, kind of dive into why I think, you know, Fox maybe should have won this award. Uh, Carlson got 123 first place votes, uh, 33 votes for second place, 16 for third, 12 for fourth, and eight for fifth. Uh, Fox, on the other hand, got 41 first place votes, 72 second place votes, 28 for third place, 20 for fourth place, and 11 for fifth place. And let me just start this whole thing by saying I completely understand why Eric Carlson won this award. I'm not going to act like, you know, completely just dumbfounded here and how could this possibly happen? And I don't understand. Uh, however, you feel about the way that this award has trended in recent seasons, it remains true that this award has typically been going to the defenseman that gets the most points. And I don't really think that's the best way to do it. Obviously, look, points have to have something to do with it. You know, if you can chip in offensively as a defenseman, then obviously, you know, you're a very valuable player. Um, but by that same token, I don't think that should be the be all end all. I don't think it should be an automatic, a slam dunk that the defenseman with the most points uh, should automatically get this award. I will say in Carlson's defense, though, Carlson obviously was the defenseman with the most points in the league. And in the case of this season, you know, the the way it all shook out for all the defensemen, Eric Carlson had the most points by a lot. Carlson ended up with 101 points as a defenseman. And second place, there was a tie as far as points are concerned between Quinn Hughes and Josh Morrissey. They each had 76 points. So a full 25 points behind 
um, Eric Carlson, where he was in Morrissey. And to kind of round out the leaders in the point statistic among defensemen, you have Dougie Hamilton with 74. Rasmus Dahlin, Miro Heiskanen, and Brandon Montour all had 73. And then Adam Fox was in eighth place in that department with 72 points. So Fox himself uh, was 29 points behind Eric Carlson. And as I just said, you know, this award does tend to go to the defenseman with the most points. So once again, it is not surprising that they basically just kind of followed suit this season. But I do want to just go ahead and have some fun with this. Let's go ahead and read the description for the Norris Trophy and who it is meant to go to and what it is made to represent. This is word by word on the NHL's website what this uh, award is supposed to go to or the criteria, or however you want to phrase it. It is awarded annually to the National Hockey League's top defense player who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability in the position. That doesn't say anything about the guy with the most points, and again, that can be considered. That's a part of playing hockey and playing the position of defenseman. You can chip in offensively. You know, that's great. That's a bonus, and and that's wonderful. But uh, to me, and of course, I'm a little bit biased here, but, um, you know, you hear... That phrase, the greatest all-around ability at the position, that's Adam Fox. To me, he's the better all-around player uh, over uh, Eric Carlson. And I feel like, you know, certainly he should have been given some consideration. Clearly, he was given consideration. He got, you know, a decent amount of first-place votes. Uh, lost the award, you know, 1,500 and whatever to 1,100 and whatever, about 400 points. So it was somewhat close, but at the same time, not really. You know, Carlson won this one pretty handily. And uh, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to continue to talk about this. I want to talk about, I want to throw out an idea, a proposal here. You guys can let me know what you think about it. I'm certainly not the first person to suggest this, but I do think it's a good idea to have two separate awards at the end of the season for NHL defense. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that in just a second. Uh, but first, we do have to let everybody know today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball is in full swing, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, we just want to go ahead. Thank you, everybody, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And for the everydayers, you got to stick around. And, uh, you know, just stick with Locked On New York Rangers throughout the week. We got the draft happening on Wednesday and Thursday. We've got NHL free agency beginning on Saturday. You know, there's uh, there's no real substitute for New York Ranger hockey. I mean, you know, we all have a lot of fun with this on the show. And, you know, it's what kind of, uh, you know, links us all together is our love for Ranger hockey. And, again, there's no substitute for being in the middle of the season or the postseason, whatever it might be, watching Ranger hockey. You know, I, I think that's uh, that's something that we all very much enjoy. Uh, at least more often than not. I know this team can drive you crazy every once in a while, but this is a very, very exciting part for me of uh, the NHL calendar. Obviously, a lot of things are going to happen here where, you know, it's going to impact this team in the short term, possibly the long term as well, you know, the draft and free agency. Um, so it's exciting, and you got to hope that uh, the Rangers can get everything right over these next uh, handful of days here. Also got to mention, after today's show, be sure to check out Locked On's 
2023 NHL Mock Draft Special. The local hosts of the Locked On NHL channel have made their picks, and hosts Gil Martin and Heidi Kalkacek uh, break down every selection over a three-day mock draft event. Find the episodes on Locked On NHL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And as I alluded to just a second ago, I think it's time for the NHL to kind of uh, adapt another award to give out to an NHL defenseman when the season begins. And I think a lot of you probably know where I'm going with this. One of them can go to the defenseman with the most points, but the Norris Trophy needs to revert back to what it is made to represent, and that is the player who just does the best overall job at the position, not just the guy that ends up with the most goals and the most assists, the best overall player at the position. So the way I see it, you know, it comes down to forwards. Obviously, you've got you know, the Hart Trophy, the Ted Lindsay Trophy. That usually goes to, I mean, it's supposed to go to the most valuable player, the Hart Trophy, and Ted Lindsay, I, I believe the wording is just like the most excellent player. Um, and, you know, those typically, they could go to defensemen, but those almost always go to forwards. Um, and, and so, you know, you have that, you know, and that goes to guys with high point totals pretty much always. And, you know, you then also have the Selkie, which goes to kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, the uh, forward that is known as the best defensive forward in the NHL. And I'm thinking with the defenseman, we do something similar. The Norris Trophy goes to, again, just the best overall defenseman. And then you could have another award uh, that goes to automatically to the defenseman with the most points in the league that season. You do two separate awards. And I got to go ahead and give a shout out to uh, Rangers Iced Brew on Twitter. Again, I'm not the first person to have this idea. I don't think Rangers Iced Brew is the first person to have this idea either. Uh, but I do like uh, the, uh, the the spinner, the, the addition that he put onto it here. So basically, the Norris Trophy, once again, this is per... Rangers Ice Brew on Twitter. The Norris Trophy goes to the best all-around defenseman. And then you'd also have the Orr Trophy that goes to the defenseman that finishes the season with the most points. And that completely works for me. I think that works. I think naming it after Orr is a great idea as well. And look, there might be some years where both those awards go to the same defenseman. It's possible that, you know, the defenseman with the most points is also the best all-around defenseman in the league. But that's fine. You know, I have no issues with that at all. Uh, if that's the case, then so be it. You know, we see seasons where, you know, the same player gets more than one award. So I think that's completely fine if that's what happened. Um, but as far as, you know, getting back to the Fox versus Carlson debate, I thought something we could do here that could be a little bit of fun is we basically just do a statistical breakdown. I'm going to take a look at a handful of stats from both Carlson and Fox this season and kind of just look and see uh, who had the advantage and, you know, by how much did this player have the advantage uh, over his peer um, in the case of Carlson and Fox here. So we'll start with games played. Uh, Carlson and Fox both played all 82 games. So that's obviously a push. And it's actually very convenient for me because we don't have to factor in like, well, this guy missed eight games. That guy missed 12 games. And, you know, should we project his stats to what it would have been for 82 games? Or should he lose some points for not playing all 82 games? They both played all 82. So that's a complete wash, as much of a wash as it could possibly be. Uh, as far as goals are concerned, Carlson wins 25 to 12. So, you know, pretty significant advantage there. Assists, Carlson wins 76 to 60. Points. Obviously, Carlson wins that one too, uh, 101 to 72. We talked about that one a couple of minutes ago. Uh, plus minus this is a big one in favor of Adam Fox. Adam Fox wins in that department. Fox was a plus 28. Carlson was a minus 26. So that is a 54 goal difference in plus minus. And I realize plus minus, you know, that's a stat that I feel like uh, certainly 
at one time was overrated. I feel like there were people that just looked at that and, okay, that tells us everything we need to know about this player, just the plus minus stat. And I don't think that's the case, but I almost feel like there's been an overcorrection and that stat has gone from being really overrated to maybe at least a little bit underrated. I mean, I do think it matters in terms of like what's happening when you're on the ice. Is your team scoring goals? Are you spending time in the offensive zone or are you giving up goals? And man, we're talking about a 54 goal difference. That's more than half a goal per game uh, between Adam Fox and Eric Carlson. If we look at penalty minutes, Fox with a narrow win there, uh, he ended up with 34 penalty minutes compared to 36 for Carlson. Game-winning goals, if you want to throw that out there, Adam Fox wins 5-4. to four. Time on the ice, Carlson wins that one, 25-37 to 24-23. Uh, block shots, Adam Fox wins 125-90. to 90. Uh, Hits, it's not really a huge part of either man's game, but uh, Carlson wins that one, 33-25. to 25. Uh, takeaways, Adam Fox wins that one 88 to 81. Giveaways, Adam Fox wins that one too. And pretty much by a landslide, Fox had 74 giveaways compared to 101 by Carlson. And for those of you that were keeping track, you'll know. Uh, I know that's everybody, by the way. Um, I just read 12 stats there. Fox against Carlson there. Fox had a record of 6-5-1. and one. And of course, you know, there are other stats. There, I, I'm not going to read everything. We'd be here all day. Um, and we could debate which of these stats are the most important, which ones really count. Uh, beyond the stats, though, you know, watching them both play hockey, Fox is just the better defensive defenseman. And to me, that's got to count for something. And if there's anyone out there, you know, maybe we got some Sharks fans tuning in. They, they see that I'm going to debate this thing and uh, they're going to see what I have to say about this whole situation. If there's anyone out there that still thinks that Carlson was the best overall defenseman in the league this year, then please consider this. Carlson was on the ice for more goals against this season than any player in the NHL. Does that sound like the work of the best defenseman in the NHL? And I also understand, let, let me make this clear as well, that part of that has to do with the fact that Carlson, frankly, just plays on a bad team in the San Jose Sharks, and that Adam Fox, you know, he plays on a good team in the Rangers. That's part of the reason why you see such a discrepancy between the two as far as plus minus is concerned. Uh, and to dive into this a little bit further, Sharks had the fourth worst record in the league at 22, 44, and 16. As far as goal differential as a team, they were a minus 87. Uh, the Rangers had the ninth best record in the league at 47, 22, and 13. And they were a plus 58 as a team in terms of goal differential. So what is that? 145 goal difference between the two teams. And obviously that, um, you know, is going to work in the favor of Adam Fox. He just plays on a far better team than does Eric Carlson. But it's hard to ignore the fact that the guy who just won the Norris best defenseman in the league was on the ice for more goals against than any other player in the NHL. And if we want to do one more stat in the favor of Adam Fox, I don't just want to, you know, bad mouth Eric Carlson. I got nothing against the guy. He obviously had a fantastic season. Uh, when you look at that point total, I mean, over a hundred points for anybody is incredible to do that as a defenseman and as a defenseman on a not so great team for being kind here. Um, very, very impressive. Can't say enough about the season that he had. Um, but one more stat in the favor of Adam Fox. And this one comes to us from Ranger Muse on Twitter. Uh, Fox is the first player in NHL history to have 70 plus points, 80 plus takeaways, and 120 plus block shots in a season. Uh, that's since they started keeping track of takeaways and block shots. So did somebody do it before they were tracking those stats? Maybe. But as far as uh, modern times, when they've kind of been tracking those stats a little bit more closely, you know, neither one of those stats have been tracked for as long as you might think 
I don't know the exact year, but it hasn't really uh, been around for that long. But since they've been doing it, yeah, Adam Fox, the only one uh, to all three of those plateaus in the same season. So very impressive. Uh, that sounds to me like a defense with a phenomenal all-around game and uh, somebody that I think would have been worthy of winning the Norris. I, I can't go crazy about it because giving it to Carlson this year, look, they're kind of just falling suit with what they've been doing over the past couple of years. It does tend to go to the defenseman uh, with the highest point total. And Carlson was that by a landslide, 25 points ahead of any other defenseman in the league. And 101 points, I mean, that's that's an incredible season any way you slice it. But I want to keep everything rolling in just a second. Uh, Adam Fox was the most notable Ranger uh, to be up for an award, of course, the Norris. But there were some other Rangers that uh, you know got a couple of votes, got a couple of points, some recognition, uh, including Panarin. Uh, Mika Zibanejad and Igor Shosturkin. We're going to talk about them and a bunch of other things as well at the end of the season or at the end of the episode, rather. Uh, we have part of the Rangers schedule as I'm recording this. So I'm going to share my thoughts on that and we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. All right, so let's go ahead and keep everything rolling here. I wanted to shine the spotlight on some other Rangers that at least got a couple of votes and a couple of different NHL award categories at the ceremony on Monday night. You've got the Lady Bing Trophy. Uh, Mika came in 24th place, and Adam Fox came in like an eight-way tie for 48th place. Um, and just so we know what the Lady Bing is made to represent, because I do think that's important, uh, it goes to the player, a judge to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. Anze Kopadar is your winner for this award, the Lady Bing, uh, with 1,175 points. Jack Hughes was number two with 934 points. And Mika Zibanejad, as we mentioned, got 24th place in this uh, category. He had one first-place vote and two fifth-place votes. And Adam Fox got a single fifth place vote. So Fox got one point, at least got on the board there. Um, obviously, neither was all that close. Neither one of them was all that close to winning this award, but uh, I want to at least give them some recognition for the votes that they garnered here. Uh, we move along to the Selkie Award. This goes to the best defensive forward in the league. And Mika did a little bit better in this category. He comes in 16th place. I feel like, you know, looking at this list, he should be better than number 16. But of course, I'm going to say that I am a Ranger fan and I do watch Mika Zibanejad night in and night out. Uh, throughout the season. But Patrice Bergeron is your landslide winner, 1,914 points. The next closest to Bergeron, number two, was Nico Heeshear with 804 points. Bergeron got 187 first-place votes out of a possible 196, so a runaway win for Bergeron. Uh, Mika Zibanejad got two third-place votes, one fourth-place vote, and three fifth-place votes. Uh, that gave him a total of 16 points, falling just short of uh, Patrice Bergeron with his 1,914 points. But it's nice to see Mika uh, at least get a little bit of recognition. And uh, we know that we're not the only fan base that is aware of the fact that he is, you know, a really good defensive forward in this league. He once again uh, comes in 16th place. And like I said, I, I think he should be a little bit higher, but everybody's going to say that about their their own player. Uh, as far as the Vesna Award is concerned, Igor Shosturkin, a year after winning it in a landslide, this year comes in eighth place. Uh, Linus Olmark is your winner. For this one, it was interesting because all the people who vote on this only get three votes each. You know, they rank their top three choices to win the Vesna. And just for some context here, once again, Olmark wins the award. He gets 127 points. Ilya Sorokin was in second place with 70 points. And then to kind of round out all eight goalies here, you followed by... Uh, Connor Hellebuck with 32 points, UC Saros, Jake Ottinger, Andre Vasilevsky, 
Alex Georgiev and Igor Shesterkin. And uh, those were the only eight goalies to receive votes of any kind. Igor only got two third place votes. That gave him a total of two points. And Alex Georgiev, for what it's worth, former Ranger, only got one second place vote. And that gave him three points. So technically, uh, Igor finishes behind Alex Georgiev uh, this season. Uh, Fox, you know, getting back to him real quick. He may not have won the Norris, but he did make the NHL's first all-star team. You've got a left winger of Jason Robertson, center Connor McDavid, right winger David Pasternak, and then Fox and Carlson are the two defensemen, and Omar is the goalie. That is your NHL first all-star team this season. And then Artemi Panarin, he got some recognition. He made the NHL's second all-star team. You get the Breadman at left wing, Leon Dreisaitl at center, Matthew Kachuk at right wing, Hampus Lindholm and Kale McCarr at defenseman, and Ilya Sorokin in net. And as far as Panarin is concerned, you know, another strong season. I know some Ranger fans are you know, worried about his contract and he's not worth that much. And is there any way we can trade him? And he wasn't good in the playoffs. I get all that to a degree, but you know, I do think Panarin's going to be back this upcoming season. He's got a full no move clause. And I think he's looking for some redemption rather than, uh, you know, looking for the exit. I think he wants to come back and do a better job for the Rangers this season and in the playoffs. But really, I mean, as far as the playoffs are concerned, none of that is relevant uh, to what we're talking about here because these are regular season awards. Panarin in the regular season, 92 points. Uh, that was 17th in the NHL and played in all 82 games, 29 goals, 63 assists. So 92 points in 82 games. He was a plus four average 19 minutes and 36 seconds of ice time per night. Uh, 36 takeaways against 102 giveaways. That is one knock on Artemi Panarin is that uh, he will turn the puck over quite a bit, you know, trying to make those, those big time plays um, for any award that I did not mention here. Uh, it's because the Rangers did not have any players that got any votes. So I figure, you know, you guys can, Look up the awards and who who won them and who got votes at your own uh, leisure. But uh, yeah, that was it for the Rangers. You know, a couple of votes here and there and some recognition, obviously, for Adam Fox and uh, Artemi Panarin, um, along with also Mika Zibanejad and Igor Sesterkin getting a couple of votes uh, here and there. To wrap up today's episode, just a couple of uh, odds and ends that I want to talk about before we call it a day here. Uh, so the Rangers schedule, as I'm recording this, is like slowly trickling in and it does seem to be being reported from, you know, some reputable people. I think Johnny Lazarus was the first one to have this reports that the Rangers will start their season with two games on the road. It will be at Buffalo and at Columbus did not see a date for either game, but their home opener will then be on Monday, October 16th against the Coyotes. And like I said, the rest of the schedule should be out a little bit later today. And I figure we can go ahead and, um, you know, obviously spend some time talking about that in a future episode, just kind of looking at the schedule as a whole, you know, who do they start with, who do they end with? Um, you know, a busy portion of the schedule, a slower portion of the schedule, whatever it might be. Um, and I actually am on Twitter right now. So let's see if the whole thing is out here. I do want to at least give this a chance. I'm not seeing a full schedule release as of now, but like I said, we will be discussing that in a future episode, just kind of walk through the schedule together and, uh, talk about, you know, the more interesting portions of said schedule. Uh, one other note about the Rangers schedule though. We already knew that the Rangers were going to play the Islanders at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, February 18th. You know, part of the outdoor series of games that the NHL does every season. Always a fun time. Rangers, I believe, are 4-0 in outdoor games ever since this kind of became a tradition about, you know, whatever it was, like 15 years ago at this point or whatever it might be. Um, we now know the start time for that game between the Rangers and the Islanders at MetLife Stadium. The game will start at 3 p.m. Uh, look, it's February. I'm sure it's going to be freezing. But I suppose if you're going to go to this game, 3 p.m. is probably a little bit nicer than 7 p.m. It may not be quite as cold. Although then again, if you're going to an NHL game 
in a stadium, a baseball stadium, a football stadium, whatever it might be. Uh, I feel like that's part of the experience. It's got to be cool. You know, you got to be able to bundle up for that and uh, just kind of deal with it. And if it snows, I mean, hey, all the more fun at that point, right? But yeah, we have a start time for that game between the Rangers and Islanders. Uh, another bit of news here, Jim Ramsey going to be heading to the Montreal Canadiens to join their sports medicine department. We still don't know, and it might be a while before we do know the full story as far as why Jim Ramsey was let go and you know, how it was handled. It's the whole thing is just kind of shrouded in secrecy and not a whole lot of details of leak. It was just kind of abrupt and he was gone. And uh, now, like I said, he will be joining the Montreal Canadian. Someone with his track record, you had to figure uh, he would not be out of work for long. And uh, he heads to Montreal to join the Canadians. We also had a tweet a uh, day or two ago from Vince Mercogliano. I want to read this word for word because I want to get this right and just use the exact verbiage here uh, regarding Tyler Mott and whether or not he might be back with the Rangers this upcoming season. This is a tweet, like I said, from Vince Mercogliano. Another tidbit worth sharing with free agency less than a week away. I'm hearing that Tyler Mott is likely to test the UFA market. Door remains open for a New York Ranger return, but chances of getting a deal done before Saturday don't sound great. And that's kind of a bummer. I mean, I know that I'm not the only Ranger fan that's a big fan of Tyler Mott. Like what he brings to the table, just a buzzsaw, somebody that goes out there, works his tail off every single night, can kill some penalties, a great defensive forward, and uh, somebody that seems to be very popular in the locker room. I hope he's back, but by that same token, you know, you can't overpay and overextend yourself for Tyler Mott. I, that might sound a little bit cold, but that's just the nature of the situation uh, with the Rangers up against the salary cap the way that they are. So uh, we'll see. You know, per Vince, uh, it sounds like it's possible that he does return, but, you know, Tyler Mott, he's as close to being a UFA. Maybe it makes sense for him to do it. You get to talk to all 32 teams instead of just uh, the Rangers. So go out there and, and see what you can get. And uh, as I've mentioned in the past, you know, Tyler Mott is not somebody who makes uh, just a ton of money every season. You know, he's obviously doing well for himself. He's a professional hockey player. So that pretty much goes without saying. But, you know, he's not somebody like uh, Artemi Panarin who makes, you know, $11.6 million or whatever it is per season, or Adam Fox making $9.5 million per season. Tyler Mott has never even made $2 million per season. And, um, you know, he's one of those guys that if he does what a lot of NHL players do, what the majority of them do and signs with the highest bidder, uh, I would never begrudge him for that. There's already people making jokes about you know, whoever he signs with. The Rangers will have a fourth round draft pick ready for that team at the trade deadline next season. And we'll trade for Tyler Mott again and bring him back over for a third straight season. Uh, never say never. You know, it's certainly possible that that could happen. Uh, but we'll see. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And first of all, we just got to find out what happens when free agency begins, who does Tyler Mott stay with? Does he stay with the Rangers or does he end up playing elsewhere? Another little bit of news here. Julian Gauthier will not receive a qualifying offer from the Ottawa Senators and will be a UFA. I'm not exactly holding my breath for a Ranger reunion. I mean, you know, again, he, he's one of those players that kind of teases us sometimes with uh, some flashes here and there. But I mean, how many times have I have I used those exact words to describe Julian Gauthier? on this podcast and I'm just not so sure that a breakout is all that likely for him I guess you know if the Rangers want to fill out their roster and bring him back at a deal worth near the league minimum it's something that could be on the table but I don't really look for it to happen I, I get the feeling that Julian Gauthier is going to try to find um, a fit with another team and you know look for a team where he can have a, a, a bigger role than the Rangers are likely to give him um, and then the only other thing I want to mention continue to send in your Derek Stepan stories from 2015 Game seven overtime against the Capitals. Who you're with? How do you react? How do you celebrate uh, when Derek Stepan scored that goal in overtime to eliminate the Caps? 
that season. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, it is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.